Welcome to the ETC Coaches Corner, an inside look into the Midlands' best private training facility, where we'll be discussing all things nutrition to training and everything in between, something that we do for our members and those who are potentially not members yet, maybe one day. So this week, I'm very excited to announce that we have a very special guest. The very special guest is, again, somebody who is part of the coaching team, and it's Mr. Ali Last. In today's episode, we're going to learn about all things pregnancy. What kind, of, what kind of things should you be doing pre, post, during pregnancy? What does training even look like? Should it change? And a lot more. So we're going to introduce Ali. Ali, good morning. Good morning. Marvellous. Uh, right, we're going to start with the most important things before we jump straight into uh, Ali's Lady Bits. This is a working title, but we kind of keep saying we're going to change the name from Ali's Lady Bits, but it keeps get keeps reappearing. I don't quite like it. It's coming back like a bad burp. <laughs> a bad baby burp. Uh, so Ali, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Um, I had a brownie, actually, for breakfast. <laughs> I know. How <laughs> that is the most fitness thing I've ever heard. What kind of brownie did you have? It was a Terry's chocolate orange brownie that my wife made. Is <laughs> that actually what you had, Rebecca? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, was it good? I mean, it's fantastic. There's some still in the gym, actually. Is it? I'm not having... I'm on a, a little brownie as possible diet. I don't like to use the term diet, but when I'm trying to not be so fluffy, I just... Uh, well, I don't have brownies for breakfast. I'll eat. <laughs> it was that or nothing. <laughs> Cool. So we're going to talk about, you know, pregnancy. This is something that you have specialized with over the years. Something that I've actually, I find really, really interesting. And what I, what I find so interesting about it is that it's not, it's not a binary topic. There's so much kind of potentially going on. Um, and that's why I guess it's now become a specialism of education, something that you have been studying with over the past year. So what I want to start, we're going to start quite broadly, like training in pregnancy. It's kind of almost almost become like a new a new thing, which of course women females getting pregnant is not a new thing. Why is it? Why do you think it's become kind of such an important topic, like over the last couple of years? I think it's just been a topic that's become more more spoken about. It was kind of quite a taboo thing to train when you were pregnant back in the day. Hmm. Um, it seemed to be like a just something that, yeah, people didn't like talking about or they didn't like sharing some of the experiences that they had through pregnancy and through training in pregnancy, etc. People are now starting to share it and be more open to sort of telling people like, hey, you should probably train either leading up to and during pregnancy and afterwards. But there's a lot of stuff that can be quite personal within that. So I think it can be a struggle for people to open up and talk about. Mm, I, I, I've got a couple of really, I think, I think good questions <laughs> about this because I actually remembered when we posted a picture, this is a true story, about four four or five years ago, we had a lady who's still training with us now, by the way, who was heavily pregnant at the time, and it was a picture of her doing a deadlift. Yeah, yeah and she must she was she was pretty big, she was in her third trimester, but she felt great, which is obviously something we're going to talk about in a minute. But it was, you know, we used all the appropriate training, we raised the block so she wasn't putting too much pressure on her spine, and we got so much, like, this person should not be lifting weights. This person should not be trained during pregnancy. Can we just talk about why that is not necessarily a true statement? If they had been training up to and or like before their pregnancy, if they've been training for a long time, they're experienced, they know what they're doing, they know their limits. There's no reason why they can't keep training almost exactly the same as they have been pretty much through to full term. Obviously, there are certain considerations that you have to take into like what they're doing, like the when the bump gets to a certain size, they're not going to be able to bend down as easily. 
they've not been able to lower in the front and they're not being able to sort of move as well but they can still train there's no reason why they shouldn't and actually it's beneficial for them to do so like learning to squat with a bump learning to lift with that added load is going to be really important come the other side of pregnancy they're going to have to pick up a baby once they've given birth whether that's naturally or whether they have a c-section there's things that they're going to have to be able to do so if we can train them to be strong it's, it's a no-brainer so a deadlift is a is a great way a great example yeah they may not be able to pick it up from the floor but lift it up give them a trap bar loading their spine uh, loading their back and loading their muscles this might sound like a really obvious question to you but i didn't until i started studying this stuff a few years ago i didn't know what this was like can you tell me what the difference is between a c-section and a, a natural birth and what and what what that means for the the person who's giving birth sure so a natural birth would be vaginal birth so giving birth with the baby through the birth canal through the vagina there are complications that can happen there's certain things that may need to be done to help the baby out so you may need to have an episiotomy which is essentially an incision from the vagina into one of the butt cheeks to widen the canal um, and then a c-section is a like an assisted birth a mechanical birth where uh, an incision is done in the abdomen through your through your abs essentially through your your tummy away and then into your tummy and opening that up and pulling the baby out through that it's a much more invasive form of giving birth and it the recovery is completely different so it will take a lot longer it's a serious surgery and i was just about to say actually like so when someone gives birth they come to you and say i'll, I'll give him birth like I've, I've overheard you have these conversations and i think it's a really important question to ask because given that you've just explained essentially three different variants of pregnancy they all have completely different recovery periods different i guess different stresses added to the body because i mean from what i've heard <laughs> giving birth isn't that easy apparently it's quite yeah. quite quite hard so it's a really important question like if someone is is someone come to train with us or, or train with you or, or do, do any training we initially need to know like like how how was the birth like what yeah. what was the birth like um and that again probably opens up a plethora of different things going through your mind like hey well fine it was a, it was a vaginal birth right well how long were you labor i don't know what questions you would ask but there's probably loads more that you would then go into to find out how that how that person person is um but i just we need we can talk about this literally for out for hours but let's just come kind of full circle you know we talked about it being potentially a bit of a taboo subject and people not wanting to talk about it which is why it's become kind of more talked about now which is obviously a fantastic thing like what is what is taboo about it why do you think it's becoming so important now it's great that you know there are now specialist courses that you've done but 20 years ago there wasn't why why is it being the taboo subject why do you think that is why 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 is that i think part of the taboo is is because you're talking about a a private area i'm doing converted yeah finger i can see that i can see that yeah uh, you you will have to share fairly intimate details, especially sort of post birth, because there there are things that we need to know. We need to know if your pelvic floor is functioning properly. We need to know if you had incisions. We need to know what kind of what degree of tearing. And there's all these questions that are really personal. Mm. To share them can be quite challenging. Mm. Um, so I guess there's the taboo around that, and then also like even training during pregnancy, there's things that you need to be aware of. Like there 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 could be leakage of different forms. Um, just through the nature of pressure on your pelvic floor and stuff like that so sharing that with trainers who without it sounding too controversial it is a male dominated industry mm. uh, so to share with a male trainer may be more challenging for someone um, so i guess that's kind of part of that to both as well as 
being open to sharing with a personal trainer mm. around that. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what can you, and I think you, I, I personally think you do this really, really well. What, if you are a, you know, a male coach or male trainer, what can like we do as males to make it as comfortable to talk about? I guess it's kind of not being afraid of those terms and of being afraid of people telling you things like that. Like mm-hmm. you, you need to be comfortable with people using words like vaginas, tearing. You need to kind of understand the female perspective um, so they feel like women are comfortable talking to you about those those issues. If you're the kind of person who blushes it when someone tells you that they're on your period, you're probably going to find it quite hard for someone to talk to you. Or you, they will find it more challenging to talk to you about those kind of things. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think the more we can talk open and honestly, I guess we can help each other because it is a, it is potentially an incredibly stressful time um, for for all parties involved. But equally important, you know, for for men, for husbands who maybe find it really embarrassing and maybe don't want to talk about it, or maybe don't want to ask how their their partner is because it's like they don't want to hear they may not necessarily want to hear the response so they don't want to know if there's a leakage and maybe the the person in question who is who is pregnant might get that from the other half and therefore feel that it's not an okay subject to talk about but really it's our job to be like hey look like we get it we understand what's going on and we want to help you and here's what we can do and i think that kind of moves us nicely into our next topic like and again we'll try and keep it as brief as possible because we're definitely going to be like having you again when we get feedback from this podcast but what what are the main considerations for for training and exercise during pregnancy like do we have to change at different times like what what do we need to think about uh it's it's such a nuanced topic like we i could spend an hour just talking about the first trimester and changes that could be done Um, what's what's the first trimester the first trimester is the, the first sort of few weeks of pregnancy so up to week 12 where you're the baby is growing you may not be showing um you may not be I like how that rhymed thank you <laughs> it's like the first part of the pregnancy where it's not as not obvious that you're pregnant and some people don't notice it until sort of second third well in the second trimester you'll start to pop and see the baby but generally the training of in that trimester is fairly similar to what you would be doing normally there's certain things that you will need to balance around um, energy levels if you if you're suffering from morning sickness or just general sickness like morning sickness isn't just in the morning it's called that because it tends to be then but it can be in the evening it could be in the midday it could happen after you've eaten um there you might start to feel a little bit more tired around certain times of the day as well so training changes in the sense of like you may need to just manage fatigue better but the rest of it is kind of the same. Like the movements can kind of stay pretty similar. Um, I always say to clients, if you feel uncomfortable approaching a movement, let me know because there, there's a reason you feel uncomfortable before you do that movement. Like you might approach uh, like a, a, a press up and be like, mm, I'm not sure I feel comfortable doing this. There's a reason you're being told that and then we can make adjustments for that. Mm. But generally it's just mostly monitoring your fatigue and your heart rate. When you find out you're pregnant, the, the key thing is kind of, or one of the key indicators is making sure that your heart rate is not going too high. Okay. Why does that happen? Have any idea? Your heart rate spikes because being pregnant is a stressor. Okay. It's a, it's a, yes. It's a stress on your I'll, I'll take that. I think it probably is. Yeah. Being, <laughs> it's a big stress. 
So your heart rate will go up, but also there's there's risks to having a high heart rate for a long period of time, especially in those early stages. Okay. Um, if you're kind of doing high intensity interval training or like hit classes or anything that's like super intense, high heart rate, little rest periods, the risk of sort of miscarriage or complications is really high. So we want to monitor that. So we're making sure that heart rate and fatigue are kind of managed in that first bit. So ultimately we want, and it was, it, we're really pleased actually that we've created an environment where people, we're always the first to know. Yeah. People always tell us like two, three, four weeks in, which is, you know, potentially a very, it's very difficult. As you said, those, those first 12 weeks in that first trimester are, you know, are important, but also the most risky, I guess, because you've got more chances of it not getting to the end. So, you know, in our opinion, I guess you don't want to be going around telling everyone because it's going to be yeah. more stressful. And if it doesn't happen, then it's, it's even harder. And it's already, I imagine, quite traumatic. Um, so when you get to the first trimester, okay, we don't need to do much, but we need to consider the person, how, how that person actually feels. Yeah. Talked about morning sickness. Like, I don't know what causes to sickness. <laughs> um, do you have any idea? And is there anything, is it, is it random? It's like some people will be fine and some people will be sick. Is it, can we do anything about it? Like what, what's the crack? Um, no one really knows why the morning sickness happens. Uh, for some people it's really minor and it might just be a feeling of nausea when they wake up in the mornings or after they've eaten breakfast. Some people, they get it really bad and they're bedridden for the first six to eight weeks because it's so bad that they, they can barely even think about food. Yeah. Isn't it weird as well? I, and I have worked with, you know, lots of, of, of pregnant people. How, like, they go off foods? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I used to love yogurt, but now I can't even look at yogurt and it makes me sick. And I'm like, what? That's, that's absolutely... What? It's not mad. Why does that happen? <laughs> I'm just going to be asking you what, why does this happen? Um, and again, it, not, not really sure why. No one really knows why you have food aversions. Like my wife, randomly, the only things that she went off were the smell of our dishwasher tablets. <laughs> so like, that's the only thing that she really went off was that, that smell. And she still smells it now. Our little one, wait, one month. And she smells the dishwasher tablets. We're on new, different ones now because of it. Yeah, yeah. And she instantly felt sick. And that is mad. It's the most bizarre thing ever. I thought dishwasher tablets smelled quite nice. Yeah, I thought they smelled great, but no, they made her feel physically sick. So wow. the, the, the aversions are there. They happen. Um, but there's no real explanation. It's just a thing that happens. Okay, so we've done the, the first trimester. We need to be considering the person. Now we're going into our second trimester, which is, I'm guessing, like the, the middle. The middle. The middle. The middle third. The middle third of the pregnancy. What kind of things do we need to be aware of? Um, so that's when you you will start to see a bump. Okay. The baby's going to start growing. It's a, it's a period of sort of growth and changes. Uh, the key thing is going to be keeping the, the client feeling comfortable, especially as the, the bump starts to get bigger in the, in the latter part of the second trimester. So certain things you may not be able to do. Um, we try and avoid lying on your front. Um, we're going to try and avoid sort of anterior loading that loading into your tummy, uh, looking for sort of the diastasis recti warning signs. Um, so bulging in the abdomen. Well, what is diastasis recti? It's, it's a separation of the abdominal muscles as the bump starts to grow. Uh, it's basically how you, the female body makes space for a growing baby. Every female will experience it to some extent, um, through the pregnancy, whether it's a, a large amount or a small amount, everyone will get it. But what we as trainers need to be aware of is how we reduce the risk of that being too much 
Um, so it's, it's essentially a separation of the abs and then the linear alba starts to take some of the strain off the baby. What you'll notice, especially sort of later into the second trimester and into the third, certain movements may kind of cause like a bulging, generally straight down the middle of the tummy. We get coning. Yeah, yeah. Coning or doming. Yeah. That's the key, the key kind of thing that you'll be looking for. And again, it will be managing fatigue. There'll be certain movements that they won't be able to do. We want to limit time on the back. Um, they can be lying on their back. And like you can have pregnant clients lying on their back all the way into the third trimester. Yeah. It's just limiting the time on there. Um, it's thought that too much time in that position can trap a, a key vein returning back to the heart just from the sheer weight of everything going on. Got it. So it's, an, it's another, like, it's another, like, it depends situations there was like second trimester well you know this might be happening this might happen we might get some coding or doming but they might not and i guess we have to assess it on an individual basis so i guess we're going to taking into account the first trimester also yeah. how they feel like do they actually have the energy and, and and compensating for that accordingly like if someone is pregnant and feeling really tired the last thing we want to do obviously is push them harder or not go into an, an environment that isn't regulated yeah there's nothing wrong with body pump. I'm a big fan of body pump. I think it's fantastic. But if you are pregnant and maybe not feeling great, you wouldn't want to go into a room of 40, 50 people where the intensity may necessarily not may not be, be monitored and you might not know kind of what's the best thing for you. Yeah. So that's a fair, yeah. fair assessment. Okay, cool. So moving on to the third trimester, which is, I guess, the, towards the last end of the pregnancy. Like what, 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 things do we, what things are we potentially going to see and what considerations do we need um, during that during that phase, the, the thing you're going to see the most is a big bump. This is like the period of like the biggest growth. Like you, you will start to see that the bump will be very, very evident and will continue to get bigger till full term. And it's mostly working around that. Um, most most of the movements that you would be doing, sort of first and second trimester, sort of hinging and squatting and stuff, will become more tricky as the bump gets bigger. So you may need to make accommodations for that. So if they're used to doing a normal start deadlift they may need to switch to a sumo deadlift that is on plates or to a hack, hack deadlift uh not a hack deadlift that would be terrible <laughs> try hard deadlift so you're just raising stuff up so it's a little bit easier to get into position making it a little bit more comfortable you'll probably be avoiding stuff like planking um even stuff like dead bugs may be something that you need to avoid by then because it's just generally controlling your your abdominal area is going to be a lot harder. Uh, and it'll be hard to control your abdominal area because there's a massive bump there, which <laughs> means you aren't able to contract or stabilize your spine. I guess it's like there's this, yeah. That's why you know the bump is quite hard because it's like it's being stretched a lot. Yeah. So there's already lots of pressure and tension there. Yeah. So we I guess ultimately want to be like avoiding kind of transverse core works. Transverse being like upwards and downwards for like uh, core. Yeah. work that would be not a good idea yeah uh, generally anything like that is by them stopped unless they have fantastic the day being your pregnant client unless they have fantastic control of their abdomen so we had a client not long ago who had incredible control of that abdomen. they've done a lot of work leading up to their pregnancy from their first pregnancy and had done a lot of work during the pregnancy to ensure that they had that control so they were still sort of doing like an incline press up and incline plank into their full time okay individual basis but generally that's something you wouldn't see mm, that's a really interesting point and i know you've been working with this with this lady to help her kind of set ourselves up for pregnancy which is actually the next question yeah right, is we've written very smoothly so people might look at this person and say she's doing incline press-ups doesn't it actually doing push-ups therefore i can as well yeah and talk to me about how that that's not what anyone should do 
not just about pregnancy in terms of anything on Instagram. Well, they're doing it, therefore I need to. What the what you're doing by seeing something is that you're not seeing all the work that's gone behind that thing and the individualization of that thing for that person. And not just that, everybody, uh, as we've kind of alluded to, is responds differently, is in different stages. Um, why is it important for people not to just monkey see, monkey do, this person's doing that, therefore I need to do it. Why is it important for people not to do that? I mean, it's important in every scenario of training, whether you're pregnant or not. Like There, there are things that your body can and can't do. Or there are certain things that you may not be able to handle. Like I know that I can deadlift 160 kilos if I tried to deadlift the same as Kyle. All right, mate. I would get snapped in half. Like, <laughs> there's, there's things that we just we know we can't do. There's limitations. Mm. Yes, there's differences in our training, and there's differences in that. But for someone that's looking at a pregnancy, the individualization becomes so much more than that, because every pregnancy is different, as well as every female being different. There's there's this huge difference between each thing. Like the the climbing. I was working with has spent time on her own working on making sure that she was ready for the next pregnancy if it's and that's her second one as well so then she know she knew kind of what she was doing and what to kind of expect obviously there were differences but she kind of had an idea if you were like a first pregnant pregnancy and you're looking at that bit oh well why can't I do that it's like well even you you can't handle it there's, there's things that you haven't done as a prerequisite to be able to do that and even then even if you had done them you might have a completely different reaction to your pregnancy. Your growth might be different. Mm. The, the the differences are vast. Spend ages. And I guess it is. It, it's just super important to for that person to understand. And as as a coach, we always need to have the the client at the the client being in the, doing the safest possible thing, and yeah. not not take any unnecessary risks. So it's again, it's absolutely essential that you speak with someone like yourself or speak to an expert if you are trading and you know falling pregnant or trying to or whatever was going to lead us nicely into our next question like what what can we how can we set ourselves up for the best pregnancy and, and of course you can't be like if you do this everything will be magical and unicorns and flat because we know first not not first hand not first hand <laughs> we know people who have given birth and it's been it's not gone as, as expected but a lot of the time you know, we're very fortunate that we've, we've we've worked with a lot of a lot of females who have given birth, and it's been really, really fantastic. And they they have estimated their training because because of it. Now that might be a partial factor, but we I guess we can't we can't know. But what what can we do? What would you advise? What's the best thing that uh, a female can do to best set themselves up for pregnancy? Uh, I guess it sounds really simple, but be as fit and as strong as you possibly can be. Um, the fitter and stronger you are when you go into your pregnancy, and if you can continue that sort of training, like the goal of a training program for a pregnant woman, the goal is to kind of continue adding strength, continue getting stronger and healthier throughout that training. So to, to put yourself in the best stead before you're pregnant is going to be a massive benefit. And then if you're able to maintain that training through your pregnancy, provided there's no complications and there's there's no issues, it sets you on a good stead for the other part of once you've given birth. Depending on, regardless of what your your birth is, there's a, there's a massive recovery period and there's so many stresses on your body. If you're fit and healthy before that, your recovery the other side is going to be better. Same with sort of any any major surgery or any kind of major injury, the recovery is better if you're fitter and healthier and stronger. Kind of things that you you just find harder. Yeah. Okay. Love that. And finally, like, what's you? We've 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 got pregnant. 
Woo! We've had our pregnancy. We've been through all the trimesters. We've trained. It's been it's been great. As great as it I guess as great as it can be. <laughs> yeah. Um. What what kind of post exercise training and is important, and what do we need to consider, or you know, what do we need to avoid whilst giving birth? And I guess we'll let we'll just talk maybe the two two main two main pregnancies, vaginal and, and uh, C section. We'll just talk about vaginal first. Like what do we need to consider, and what do we post? Yeah, and what do we need to kind of avoid? Um. So let's start with sort of a, a, like a, a, an uncomplicated vaginal birth. The, the recovery can be as quick as sort of four to six weeks, depending on the individual. Uh, that's not full recovery. That would be kind of like returning to exercise after about six weeks. And that would be six weeks of rest. You're still doing life. Yeah. Not sleeping, feeling, etc. Baby, being stressed, trying to stay on top of the household chores with a tiny human attached to you now. Mm. So all of that kind of aside, if you've had the perfect pregnancy lead up to it and the, the birth was uncomplicated, after four to six weeks, there, there's a there's an element of return to exercise, like gentle movement, getting yourself back to it. So the really basic stuff, like a really basic hinge, a really basic press, and a squat. And that squat could be a squat to a box. The hinge might be like a band pull through, or like a even just like a good morning, and then some kind of up body push, probably in a supported position. That will be the the, the start, and then depending on how your body reacts to that progression from there. Um, I would always recommend that you get your pelvic floor checked as well post birth. Uh, who do we need to see? You need to see is it a pelvic health physio. Yeah, someone that really understands how that works. There's, yes, there's, we've got links to Move Four. Yeah, you've got Move Four. Uh, there's a lady called Thea who's incredible, but I think she's taken a sabbatical. We've got another lady who I've foolishly forgotten the name. But we've also got Bonnie O'Connell from Unit Twenty Two. Yeah. There's loads of amazing work uh, in that area. So. Definitely reach out to Bonnie or to Thea or the new lady before that. I forgot the name of. I'm sorry. And who is all things like, you know, it's 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 so important. Okay, we haven't got much time. We're running out, and we could literally make this podcast oh. hours. But this is a commuter podcast, Ali. And um, so, someone section would be completely different. The recovery for that would be much much longer. It's a it's a major surgical procedure. Like yeah. You're cutting through several layers. I can't remember the exact number of tissue. Yeah, including basically all of your abdominals. In fact, all of them, like all of your frontal abdominal. That sounds really, yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds rubbish. Should you get the baby out? So it's, it's seriously hard. It's a yeah. hardcore thing. So your recovery is going to be much, much longer. After six weeks, you're probably still going to have pain and scar site. You're probably still going to struggle to use your core. There may also be pelvic floor dysfunction because of that. So doing anything loaded is going to be a real challenge. Like picking up a child is probably the extent of what you can do at that time. So your recovery is going to be longer. The focus is going to be more on kind of working around the dysfunctional core, getting your obliques and stuff to kind of help out, making sure your glutes are doing the right stuff so we can slowly build up to being able to work with load again. But it is a much slower process. It's more like a year-long recovery. Wow, potentially longer, depending on so, the nature of training. So again, it's it's a real big if. It depends. Oh, it's a who, it's a what you... You need to work with the person that you see in front of you and, and build them up on, a, on an individual basis in terms of how they're recovering, how they're feeling, how bad, bad or good or complicated or the birth or all these myriad of different things. Yeah. Um, not to like scare people, of course not, but it, I think it's really important to, to talk about like, what if someone doesn't follow, you know, the information that you have talked about, the information that you have researched and seen lots of things happen. Like what what can go wrong? We don't we're not gonna listen to you, Ali. I'm gonna go back to training. 
I had a C-section, I don't know, 10 weeks later. I'm back in my gym. Well, I don't, I'm addicted to training. Like, what, what are the risks? What's potentially going to happen to me? I mean, a, a myriad of injuries. But the key, the, the one that's probably going to be most obvious would be probably pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, you might notice incontinence when you're, when you're lifting or moving. Uh, it's not that it's not fixable. That's something that it's worth noting. Like even if you're sort of five, six years postpartum, then you're still noticing that you're, you know, peeing when you lift or you can't jump because of the danger of that. That's something that is still kind of fixable by seeing a pelvic health physio. Like it's, it's muscle, it can be retoned and made to work properly. Um, but the, 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 it's just a case of you will probably end up more broken. It would totally depend on the birth and whatever happened. If you went back in straight in after 10 weeks post, c-section and you try to run you probably end up back in hospital it's essentially like trying to do a shortcut and by doing a shortcut it's actually going to be longer yeah so if you you know i'm going to return to training i don't know how everything works something might happen later on and something that bonnie from unit 22 she said to me about six years ago when i was studying this topic and she went you don't want your fanny to fall out is is what she said and i was like at the time i was like what what have you just said and she was like yeah you know don't want your fanny to fall out so I guess this is this is I mean, she meant it literally, yeah, literally. Seriously. It wasn't a thing to said to, to be to be joking. This is something that can happen, right? If we don't address pelvic floor issues, the the lack of core strength that you're never inevitably going to have because it's been stretched or torn or ripped or whatever. Or sliced. Or sliced. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so many things like we haven't even begin began to speak about, speak about like pelvic organ prolapse. And stuff like that. So there's, there's all these things that you need to kind of get checked before you start doing it. So again, so you know that you're ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, that has been incredibly insightful. Um, there's so much more on this topic that we that we can that we can talk about. And you know, we are going to be launching uh, Ali's Lady Bits working title, where we're, you know if you haven't if you've listened to this and you're like that sounds like a lot a lot of stuff. It really is, and it's so important that you speak with someone, and even if it's not Ali, like go and see someone. Uh, that we that we recommend or, or see a specialist to make sure that you're doing everything you can to put your body in the best possible position. So we're going to be launching kind of post pre and post pregnancy sessions specifically for those uh, for those ladies who have given birth and they can bring their babies and it's a really cool intimate training program to help you essentially return to training and return to life in the best possible way. And I'm, I'm super super excited to see um, where Ali's going to take this project and and it's it's, it's going to be really really great. Um, we've probably talked about many one things, but we're going to leave the podcast as always, Ali. I want to ask you if someone could just do one thing that would help their pregnancy, whether it pre, post, during, whatever it might be, one thing that they can do to make it the best possible experience, what would that one thing be? Blimey. Uh, <laughs> Blimey. What a question. <laughs> I don't think there is one thing. It's one thing. You've got to say one thing. But if there was one thing that I would suggest every woman does regardless of pregnancy or not it would be to go and see a pelvic health physio to ensure that pelvic health function is actually there like you can do the things that you need to do for birth i think that'll be the most important thing and it's not the the magic cure but it's somebody who understands what's actually going inside because is it the 14 the 14 week check 12 week check they get from doctors where they just yeah. basically go oh you're a pet i sound quite on how's the baby alive sound your life yeah cool off you go a pelvic health physio where you get a proper pelvic, pelvic health check after birth but also before and even like just generally it, it's something you should do like it's it would it will change how you function literally 
Okay, wicked. At this current moment in time, you're not a pelvic health physio. No. No, that's a, that's a different topic entirely. I guess it's a bit the difference between an osteopath and a chiropractor. Although they both work in the same area, they're very different things and different yeah. qualifications and different learning experiences, yeah. etc. Lush, well, I thank you so much for, for joining us. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Uh, please share this podcast with somebody who is pregnant or is thinking about pregnancy or just anyone because this information is so interesting and, and so important and you know we need to remove the taboo about this topic, this area, because ultimately we want to help people as much as possible. So please share this podcast if you have enjoyed it. Give it a rating on, on Spotify and Apple and all other things. Uh, tell your friends. And yeah, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast, uh, which will be with you in about a week or so. Peace out. Thank you. Bye.